With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the right pack. And welcome back to Right Pack Radio. Today we're going to talk about critique groups, critique partners, and beta readers. The good, the bad, and the snooty. This is your host, David Allen Lucas, author of Mysteries, Science Fiction, Horror, and Poetry. And with me today is my co-host. Hi, I'm Kathleen Kayembe. I write under the pen name Kaseka and Vita and love urban fantasy. I'm Matt McGraw. I'm an uh, amateur short story writer, and I'm also working on a uh, picture book called Patrick the Spider with my cousin Jennifer. Fedora Amos. I write Victorian whodunits, such as Jack the Ripper in St. Louis, which is currently out. And I am president of Greater St. Louis Sisters in Crime. Excellent. Uh, Brad R. Cook. Uh, my novel, uh, my steampunk novel, Iron Horseman, will be out in November. Uh, I'm president of St. Louis Writers Guild, and I'm a publisher at Blank Slate Press. My name is Jennifer Stolzer. I'm an illustrator. I'm working on Patrick the Spider with my cousin Matt. I'm also critique group chairman for the St. Louis Writers Guild. Uh, hopefully that has some weight on this conversation today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Melanie Planey. I write sci-fi, uh, fantasy, and nonfiction. Um, I'm Meredith Tate. I write new adult and YA speculative fiction, and my first novel, Missing Pieces, comes out next year. Congratulations. And today we have a special guest. Um, this is our first time of having a special guest on Right Back Radio. Hello. We have J.F. Ridgely, always known as? Judy Ridgely. And I write Ancient Rome, and I have a short story coming out this month, Crystals, and set in Roman Britain. And hopefully its uh, partner book is coming out in January. Excellent. So let's talk about this ugly thing and sometimes great thing known as critiquing. Critique groups, critique partners, and beta readers. First off, what are they? What's a, what is a beta reader? Anybody know? Anybody able to give good? Well, a beta definition? reader is somebody you ch- choose to hand your novel over to, the complete novel. Uh, they generally read it. And it's before it gets published, usually before it's headed to a publisher or something like that. And then a beta reader will read the entire manuscript and give you notes on it. And generally speaking, a beta reader is not your mom, your best friend. Yes, don't make it your mom. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, don't make it somebody who you love because likely you'll want to kill them by the time you're done. Is a group of people critiquing your story a group of beta readers? Well, no. well, is beta a subset? Or a we should probably get through the rest set. of them. So a critique group Thank you. is a group of writers right. who you gather with, and you hand off chunks of your manuscript to, and then they go through that chunk, and they, you know, give it a critique, as in, you know, maybe a line edit, maybe a, you know, 
this is good, that's bad, or whatever. Um, but, you know, they go through it, and you go through their stuff. It's a scratch-your-back, scratch-my-back situation where you're all writers, you're all giving maybe ten pages at a time, five pages at a time, a chapter at a time, and everyone reads each other's, and everyone gives feedback, and it's a great big melting pot of creative input. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say, uh, in my personal opinion, beta readers should not be critique partners. They should never have seen your work before. It is just so important. Uh, I've read actually published books where there are actual scenes that appear twice in the same book. Little sections of them. So Mm -hmm. it got cut out once or it got moved and never replaced. I've also, there have also been cases for published authors where they removed a scene that deserved to be removed, but it needed to be somewhere in the book. And they forgot to put it back anywhere. So a beta reader um, is more... But beta readers will catch that. They're more informal, it sounds like, than critique groups, but they catch the overall gist of what you're going for and help push you toward that. Well, actually, before we do that, let me do, let me get the hybrid, and then we'll go right back to what you said. Well, that's why you describe a critique partner. Critique partners are usually other writers, similar to a critique group in the sense of you're giving out chunks, possibly the entire thing, like you would with a beta reader, but it's to another writer who's going to sit down and critique your work as you critique their work. Eileen Dreyer and Karen Whitmer-Gow have probably at least 50 books published between them and have been partners, critique partners, for more than 20 years. And this is how Eileen describes it. She says, a critique partner is this. Imagine that you're in a canoe rowing through a swamp and your critique partner says, alligator here, alligator there. Good way to describe it. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. So, beta readers. I was just going to say that personally, I find that this is not separate things, but steps to a published novel. So, you should probably run it through a critique group, as in, you should probably have a group of writers that you're friends with that you can pass it off to. Maybe you meet regularly, maybe you don't, maybe you all just exchange email. Then, maybe you have a writing partner, somebody you actually like down and dirty with, get into the book, go through page by page, and rip it all apart, and, you know, you do this with that one partner. But more importantly, depending on how you have it critiqued, you should probably run it through a bunch of beta readers before you run it through a publisher. Most certainly. And I'm going to say right off the bat, none of those three we've mentioned should ever replace a good editor. Yeah. Unless you are highly, highly lucky and won the proverbial lottery in your Critique Partner is a very good editor, as in professional. It sounds, from what I've been hearing, like beta readers are the only ones who do not have to be writers. Is that necessarily the case? Because a lot of editors are not necessarily writers, and there are some brilliant people who can deconstruct stories, and they're not writers, they're readers. I was just thinking with beta readers that it might be good to have more than one and have there maybe be a mix of different people. Maybe have one of them be a writer who hasn't seen your work before. Maybe have one of them be an acquaintance or a friend who would give you an honest honest feedback on your book. And I want to come back to the word feedback here in just a second, but Brett, go ahead. Actually, I completely agree with everything uh, Meredith just said in terms of you should have a wide variety of people in your beta readers. You want... I mean, you kind of want a, a field study of 
people in the genre, people the readers you're going after, the age group you're going after, maybe even just people who could learnedly, as, as Kathleen was saying, deconstruct a book. But to answer Kathleen's question, I honestly think a critique group needs to be writers because a critique group's a back and forth. So I'm critiquing your stuff. I'm giving you my opinion on your stuff and you're giving me your opinion on my stuff. And that's two writers working together. I think anything beyond that is either an editor-writer relationship or a beta-reader-writer relationship. Um, Sorry, I, I was writing something down. Um, there are test screenings for films before they're officially released, and um, it helps studios get audience feedback so that they can take things out or put things in that are needed before it goes to the general public, before it's published, in fact. Yeah, to some degree, that's why we call a group of beta readers is that screen is that um, private screening response group. Um, but one thing, oh, do you want to talk about feedback? And with the private screening, I'm not sure how well this can be done with books and short stories and so forth. One of the reasons why you don't want to give it to your mom, your best friend, and so forth is a good beta reader is not the ones who say this is great. This is a really nice story. I love it. Or, this is trash. You suck. I can't stand this. You think you're a writer. Okay. Great. You didn't give me any feedback. Good beta readers, and I think this also goes with everything else we talked about, give detailed responses. In other words, you know, this is doing so well here, but you kind of fell off the deep end here, or you jumped the shark. I'm not sure what you're trying to do here. Or, and I, I beta read a lot, I beta and critique a lot with fight scenes, and I will read through. I'm like, uh, yeah, you just broke the law of physics. How, however, you might want to try it this way. I think this is what you're trying to go for. Or I will literally put, I'm not sure how you're trying to do what you're trying to do. This is how it looks to me. I'll try to describe it from a different angle. And usually I'll get back, oh, no, that's not what I was trying to do at all. It's like, yeah, I didn't think so. Judy. Um... But you did that in my book, and you were wonderful, and you were right on the money, and yeah, mm -hmm. I did break the law of physics a few times. But um, the thing that I think is vitally important in critique and feedback, regardless of whether it's beta or critique, and I, all the experience, the thing that I like best when people get into, and I try to do myself, is respond to specifics. Uh, this, you know, don't bank it and say, oh, this is terrible. This is, you know, why is it terrible? Explain why it's terrible. And I do like sometimes being offered an opportunity, something uh, uh, for me to understand what your point is. Uh, uh, you might want to say it this way, or have you thought about writing it that way? And so that you can begin to see what it is that needs to be changed, or maybe not to be changed, but it feeds you the information. Just to tell someone, no, this doesn't work. You don't really know, you know, and it's, um, that's one of the things, and being positive, I think, is very important in being critiqued. I was just thinking for a book club I was in a long time ago, we got, uh, as part of it, a little handout that included questions, and they were supposed to help stimulate the discussion to give people something to talk about, like, you know, what did you think of this character, or why did so-and-so, like, uh, uh, why was it so important for Heathcliff to marry Cat? Uh, why is it so important for? Why did Heathcliff marry 
um, yeah, Jane, um, when he was in love with Catherine, and why didn't Jane marry Heathcliff? That type of thing, just to get the story going. And if you have, especially if your target audience aren't for your beta readers, definitely are not. Uh, if they're younger, if they're not writers, this might help you get the feedback you want from them to figure out if they won't criticize you. If they just say, I loved it, or if, if they're honest, like, ah, I'm not crazy about it, but they can't tell you why, maybe this can get them to tell you why. It's like, they didn't connect with this character, you know, or they did with that. So, what, so not connecting with the character, was there, can you give us any more about what was on that sheet? Because it's, been, it's been a really long time ago. Um, I'm thinking, yeah, who is your favorite character? That's an easy one. Who is your least favorite character? What was the most annoying thing about this book? <laughs> um, you know, ask for the criticism directly. Um, uh, you kind of need to articulate it for them. Like, yeah. uh, some people, you know, they're not... They're not so good at putting their ideas together. Often, it's why they're not writers. So uh, you just kind of give them like a formula or like a framework for getting their feelings into something you can use. Mm -hmm. I think Orson Scott Card in um, How to Write Science Fiction and Fantasy. He he did that with his wife, um, and she's now like his ideal reader. I think was what he called her. But when he started out, she wasn't entirely sure how to give him the feedback he needed so they worked with feelings like this part I didn't like or this part made me feel antsy or this part I did not believe and sometimes you do have to train your critique partner or your beta reader but I want to, I'm going to take a quick turn I want to get away from the serious talk here and let's talk about the flip side of the good and let's talk about the bad and the ugly or rather the bad and the snooty <laughs> um, what are some of the things I'm going to start this off with a couple of examples but what are some of the things of either beta readers critique groups or critique partners that you've run into that you've wanted to pull out your proverbial hair and go running because you found out this is not the best place when I was in college um, I ran into a critique group and it turned out as I found out later after I had gone to them that really they didn't like anybody's work but their own. And their whole purpose of existence was to make themselves feel good about their writing. You can't get anything decent out of that. You guys run into? Um, ego. Ego gets in there. And it's, I think that comes with being insecure about yourself as a writer. And it's, you know, especially on your first book, it's your first baby. And for someone to critique it, it's like telling your ba telling you your first baby is ugly. And it's not well received when it's not meant in that way. Um, I think it's uh, very hard sometimes to receive the criticism and look at it objectively, which is why I think as a critiquer, it's very important to respect the person you're talking to understanding where they are is this their first book first time through a critique or whatever and how they and, and realize that you are getting close to them and and they don't you want to make them feel good about you know and say something positive and constructive rather than saying something terrible hmm. well personally um we've talked about this at St. Louis Writers Guild the 
the sandwich effect, where you mm-hmm. should say something nice, something mm-hmm. you know, critical, and then finish off with something nice. Yes. Um, you know, it's just a nice way of doing it because there is something nice there. There should always be something nice there. Yes. So you you want to point out what they did well, and you want to point out what they didn't do well. Um, but personally, I think some of the worst critique partners you can have is a writer who either doesn't know the rules or, you know, personally just writes in what is a really horrible style mm-hmm. because then that can affect your writing. You're getting nothing but bad advice. That's not good stuff. Um, and, and then, you know, anyone who's putting their ego above the writing, you know, because, you know, we all have ego about our books, but at the same time, we want the best book. And one thing I'm just going to say, and then I'm turning this right over to Jen, you're next. Okay. I, I've got you then. I, I'm not, I just really want to say what Brad said here, I'm going to borrow a saying I've always said. And make it polite since we are PG-13. Remember when you're in a critique group or beta partners or whatever, <clears throat> opinions are like what you sit on. Everybody's got one, and they all stink. Go ahead. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say anymore. <laughs> Something sorry, about beta groups, I guess. Um, I'm sorry, Jen. Um, Apologies, there are a lot of us. So. Maybe just because they a beta group, if important of having multiple people, maybe? No, that wasn't it. Uh, okay. No, it was something about dealing with people and knowing how to critique. Oh. It's important to know how to critique. No, and no. the True. sandwich thing is... But it's also important to recognize when your critique partner is not a good fit for you. And sometimes that's not something that you're supposed to be changing. It's like entering a romantic relationship. If your romantic relationship is inherently flawed at its base level, then it's only going to end in tears, probably on both sides. So sometimes it's best to love and let go. Especially if what's coming between you is the fact that your critique partner is obsessed with the passive voice and refuses to change. And you are desperately telling them that it's very hard to sell something that has three or four different adjectives in every sentence. But they like the way it sounds, and there's nothing that you can do about that. And then they return to you saying, you need more description, because your sentences are too short and the pacing goes so quickly. Well, maybe it's true, maybe it is a little fast, but I also know that you like plotting long-winded sentences that I don't like. (laughs) So it's hard for me to take your critique seriously, because I don't know if you're just trying to tailor me to fit your ideal writer, or if you are actually giving me valuable feedback... You have to believe in the other person's writing at the same time that you believe in your own. I'm sure none of that was specific to an, a particular experience. Of course not. And if, if, it, if it bears any resemblance to writers I've critiqued <laughs> partnered with in the past, my apologies. I think I told you this, actually, <laughs> in a Facebook message at some point, And we both agreed that it was a tone thing. You and, uh, and I hope you have found someone Whoa. new. And it's, it's all doing all right for you, that you're doing well. So, Jennifer, they take off a shirt and they're all sparkly, you know, to run away, right? Okay. <laughs> well, how do you, how do you uh, figure out if a person is like that without uh, going through the Facebook Message part. <laughs> or the grief possible. I would suggest reading their work when they give you your, their pages, and then after the first session, the first tough date with your critique group partner, mm-hmm. and when you sit down across a meal and you realize they slurp their soup. You, uh, after you have that moment and you kind of feel each other out, if you realize that there is no willingness to change and that your styles are so inherently different that maybe you should be seeing other people. Maybe you can ask them who mm. their favorite writer is. That'd be a good one. That's very good. helpful. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that as a writer, 
you have a wonderful opportunity with both beta readers and with critique groups to have a low-stakes beginning to what you would suffer with an editor. (laughs) Because there are going to be people out there who will review your work, and they don't have to be kind. It's their job, really, not to be, but to make your writing better. And so with a critique group, with beta readers, you get it more gently, and you get a chance to review it yourself, think whether it is useful or not, act on it whether you think it's useful or if you think it's useful, Mm. and it doesn't cost you anything. But it will cost you when you get to that editor. No, go ahead. Yeah. Um, um, we got Devin going different topics. Are you, yeah. are you changing topics? Because yeah. we think we have some commentary. <laughs> yeah, we got all the commentary. Uh, the, the chemistry of the writer to the critiquer, I think, is very important. And um, I think style, critiquing style, has a lot to do with that. Mm. Knowing what your strengths are as a reader versus a writer and being able to articulate those (laughs) is great and helpful and will take a while. Um, And uh, some advice, trust your instincts because there are people you will not mesh with and you will think that you should and um, if you stay with them, you will cry. The tears will be on your end. So just, you know, trust your instincts of what you do when you're writing anyway. And I was thinking also about um, finding a critique partner or a beta reader who reads and writes actively in the genre that you're in. Because if there's someone who primarily reads and writes, say, literary fiction, and you read and write primarily, like, YA thrillers, they're probably not going to be have a, um, a compatible writing style. And so they might, you might not write in the way that they're used to or that they enjoy because you write for your genre. So that's why I think it's important to find someone who's kind of compatible with what you write in that aspect, too. Actively? Mm-hmm. You said reads and writes actively. In your genre. In your genre. That's how we do it at the with the St. Louis Writers Guild critique groups. Yep. When you apply to the critique group program, you list what you write. And you can fill in a couple things. Like, uh, when Dave introduces himself at these things, he lists a whole bunch of different things he writes, but he does write all those things. And he can he might have a chance of finding a compatible critique group partner within those different genres because he does write in those genres. He's the same person with a whole bunch of different voice facets for his writing. She's saying I'm split personality with my writing. <laughs> I was not saying that at all. I was but, saying no, you were uh, adaptable. I, in college, I was in a critique workshop, and... Um, I and the two other guys in the class were the only ones that read science fiction. Hmm. Guess what? My science fiction submissions got shredded because they didn't understand the conventions of science fiction. (laughs) They were asking stupid questions because it's like, this is done all the time in science fiction. You just look up this word if you don't know what it means. (laughs) You know? Unfortunately, yes. Did you have anything? Okay. Well, I think one of the things I think when you're critiquing, I think you've got it right on. I mean, knowing your genre, and, but finding someone like that, um, you know, who, I write historical fiction and ancient Rome. A lot of people don't know what exhalations are, you know, all these mm-hmm. terminologies, and so that really trips them out. Where, you know, and then my genre is not romance, but I have romantic elements, and a lot of times, in romance, it is a distinct type of genre that has its own laws and bylaws and expectations. And so if you do get people that are mixed up, 
they're going to try to make your historical fiction romantic. Historical fiction will try to make the romance less romantic. The, the issues of that, I think getting it in there is very, very important of knowing and getting into a commonality. So a short version of what's being said is if you are writing a Roman fiction, you give it to your critique partner and you get back, they say, turn that sword into a lightsaber, you know you're in the wrong <laughs> critique group. Exactly. <laughs> or if they say, forget about historical accuracy, this is more romantic. Yeah. 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 Those kind of fountains don't exist at this period of time. Oh, but they're prettier. You know, it'll make a better shot if you put like, you know, cherubs on there, and it's like, well, there wouldn't really be cherubs, cherubs yeah. on this this specific piece of architecture. And you would know that, uh, Judy, as a, a historical writer, mm-hmm. you would know that. But as a romance writer, they may not. No, and and then and the the, the rules and the setups, the plot, the layout is so distinct. And well, it, I've been on that fence mm-hmm. where I mean, I I thought I, I went to the romance writers and I just did didn't fit, and I didn't know why, and it really bothered me. And then I went to the historical novel side. Oh, I'm a rom- historical fiction writer. Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, somebody had opened the door. Mm-hmm. And knowing those things, and when it comes to critiquing, I think that's one thing that has to come out there. Even if you're in a group that is mixed, I think it's very important that everyone in the group respect those parameters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a person in, in uh, who writes romance can say, oh, you write historical fiction, it's not about the emotion it's about and the relationship, It's we can look at it outside that. Mm-hmm. And they can broaden their own horizons that way and vice versa. But, you know, it, it's, I think, recognizing. That, um, recognizing what kind of story you're writing, not just um, in terms of genre, like, um, but what you want to focus on, knowing what your story is. Yeah, yeah. Um, know your theme, sort of, in, sort of, in a way. You know what your theme and what you're trying to get to, so that, yeah, that's, enough, that's a good point. I mean, it's not just genre. So, um, it sounds then like critiquers of all stripes are meant to help the writer realize on paper what it is they're seeing in their heads. And that's a good way to put it. If the person that is critiquing is seeing the wrong thing in their heads and trying to push that onto what you're writing, you need to not listen to them in those aspects of their critiques. Or you need to see why they, why they think they're seeing what they're seeing because if they really are trying, it depends. If they're trying to give you a good critique or if they're trying to mentor you. Okay. And that's something which Jen brought up without saying the title of a type of critiquer, which is a mentor, where somebody's trying to turn you into their little mini-me as an author. And completely innocently, by the yeah. way. It and wasn't malicious at all. It was just a style no. clash. No, I've actually run into some that actually mm-hmm. did it purposely, but <laughs> no. it can happen that way. Um, but what I'm going with it is... Take, for example, I talked about with Judy's writing, where she had broken law of physics. That's, I'm using that <laughs> term. She really didn't break the law, but it was, yeah, that's not what I'm picturing. How is this? And I would give it back to her. What law was it? Because you keep saying that, and I don't know, and now I'm curious. <laughs> did someone well, hit the ceiling? What ceiling? Like, did you flip it was I think it was when Julius's uncle's 
hit him with the fist, and uh-huh. I was trying to knock him out. And I whole decision didn't... about what it took to knock a guy out. Yeah, I, I remember right. that. We were in yeah. the Missouri yeah. Writers Guild, like practically knocking each other out. <laughs> oh, yeah, right there in the lobby. <laughs> exactly how it would happen in the easiest ways to knock somebody out. I understand um, when Brad and I get together and we're talking about fight scenes and all this stuff. With him as a fencer and me as a martial artist, it gets real hilarious. Yeah. Also, understand that writers will know random things like this, and it does not mean they're crazy or yes, that they do, like, belong on the FBI watch list, even though we probably all are. <laughs> I have looked up what the smell of a rotting body is. So, or what, how, what does uh-huh. burning flesh smell like? That'll get you on a list. Barbecue. Uh-huh. Barbecue. There, it smells like pork. Pork or chicken? It's pork and it's pork, the, right? the cerebral spinal <laughs> fluid is very sweet when it burns. Wow. <laughs> so, okay. um, so that, as we are um, back to critiquing. <laughs> Sorry. Back to critiquing. We need to no, critique I, that last remark. Go ahead. Go, go right ahead. You can use me as an example. Accuracy. The critiquer would be like, hey, I don't think this is how you do that. Or I think burning happens differently. Actually, and, it smells like oranges. Yes. <laughs> Delicious. You would be like, oh, thank you for researching this for me to make sure that it was right. Mm-hmm. As a, mm-hmm. another example, just one more time to throw it in. I'm right now reviewing a friend of mine's um, comic script. Hmm. In other words, they're writing a comic a graphic novel. And it's set back in the 1930, yeah, 1930s, and he had the hero arrive in St. Louis by Lambert Airfield. Hmm. And I sat back, as soon as I saw I got kicked yeah, out of the no. story, like, and I did my research that apparently he hadn't double-checked yet, and Lambert Airfield did exist. It was used for uh, commercial planes, as in, we're going to test this plane out. Ah. It wasn't an airfield where passengers flew into. So I told him that he'll be changed to the Union Station, make him come in by train, which was more accurate for that time period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. tell me, tell me some other bad cases for about another couple minutes of critique partners or beta readers or whatever. Well, uh, <clears throat> you mentioned earlier as an analogy, like uh, test audiences for movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in a lot of cases they're the cancer killing Hollywood. But uh, <laughs> I have a good example. I Am Legend. Uh, the last oh, one was with Will Smith in it. Yes. They've tried to make it a couple times and goofed it every time. And it's because of the test audiences. Because really? the test audiences... Well, the end of the story is that uh, the guy realizes that he's the monster for the vampires. And actually, they're the protagonists of their own story. And he's the antagonist. And, you know, that's like... It's a cool story, but for the audience, that's a terrible like thing to feel. They go, ooh, that doesn't feel good. And so they, they respond back to the people, that ending made me feel terrible, and so they change it. But, uh, and that's like the danger of beta readers, we I We should think. have put a spoiler warning there. Really oh, um, it's yeah. based on a story by Richard Matheson, right? Yeah. Short story yeah. novella? So yeah, so. that's well, why. Not it's not how the movies yeah, end. Yeah, technically, and that's, that's all not how the movies. The movies so it's are not a spoiler. It is. It's a spoiler if you're watching the Vincent Price version. It sounds. It's a spoiler if you're reading. Yeah. This is a case though of the test audiences <laughs> wanting something different than what was being created. Well, it's a, exactly, and the artists didn't remember what they wanted to do or were prevented from it by suits. But uh, yes, that applesauce. So you have to. <laughs> you have to know what you're trying to do, and if you get a negative reaction that's what you want, uh, you gotta stick with it. I think it's fine to break people's hearts with a story. 
you know, it's great. Mm -hmm. Most certainly. Old Yeller dies. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't let the applesauce salesman get you down. So you're asking about critique partners, and one of the worst that I personally feel is the non-worker. So the guy who never submits. Yeah. You know, you, you come every week, and he's critiquing and ripping apart your stuff, but never once do they submit. Um, and the reason they don't submit is because they're really just there to, to rip you a new one and to impart their wisdom onto you. Um, so I, I have an issue with those kind of people, and they're cancer because, you know, they're not participating in the group, and, you know, that's, that's a horrible way to go. And then the other one is uh, the person who is overly critical, you know, the person who rips dialogue apart probably should leave their dialogue alone unless it's just glaringly air mm -hmm. you know or the person who's really just fanning out really horrible advice going back to um, your, your neck but going back real fast now to the to the one who is ripping everybody apart but does not submit not only are they not really participating in the critique group but someone to be alert for as a writer they're not participating in the industry mm -hmm. and if they're not even if you're a beginner writer you're just trying to get out there. If you're not really attempting it, then why are you even there as a critiquer? That's what I thought you meant by active, um, active writer, reader. Um, because I know, for myself, if I am not actively writing, reading, doing something in the writing community, and I then need to critique something, part of me is always like, I wish I were writing. and. The voice that comes out of me is, I think, more critical than usual. Because I know my critique style is, I love this part, I love this part, I love this part. Uh, what do they need to fix? Uh, I guess this was weird. And it changes when I'm not actively reading and writing. And I think that's a danger for other people, too. I was just going to say, um, yeah, in terms of my personal critique group, um, I've had the same critique partners now for several years, and we get together all the time, and I really do have to say they are the most valuable resource that I have as a writer. Because one, it allows me to explore certain things and work through certain things with them. I can bounce questions off of them. They know a lot, so every question I get, or every question I have is getting a response back that not only conforms to what's going on in the industry or anything, but it's coming from a couple of authors who have been in the business, have published books, have, you know, have this really long kind of history behind them. And because of that, we've all worked through each other's books, and we all are there to support each other. And I think that's invaluable, and I, I highly recommend if you can find that, run with it. The only thing that I would also caution is social hour. Mm -hmm. A lot of critique groups will turn into <laughs> nothing more than chit-chat for, you know, the entire time, and you don't even critique anything. You just sit around and you talk about, I don't know, the Kardashians or something. And one thing real fast that also should be avoided, and this is not going to a critique group and avoiding it, this is a critique group avoiding, and that is the proverbial author who walks in and says, this is my book, and they all they want you to tell them is, this is the greatest thing since The Great Gatsby. Mm -hmm. Beta readers run into that. Yeah. yeah. The other thing, and you brought up a very good point. Um, Kathleen. Kathleen. Is mm -hmm. that... <laughs> On the other side of the coin, as a recipient of the criticism, you still have to keep, you, you can't let it tear you down. I mean, you can you can get to a point where you 
you know, you don't trust anything you've written because you, you know, oh my gosh, I, 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 I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't, and and you can lock, you can end up with that writer's block because all of a sudden you've lost your confidence and your belief in your story. That you know, and I think we, as a recipient of the critique, keep that ledge right there that says, "This is my story," and I'll hear what you have to say. And I'll think about what you have to say. But in the end, it's my story. Exactly. What do you, yeah. Speaking from point of view of someone who's been in that pit before, I'm sure a lot of us have been in that pit before, mm. where you take the criticism too seriously and you start to think that you have an unpublishable stone sitting in your sh- on your shelf instead uh-huh. of something that could have legs and could <laughs> run on its own. Uh, it's important to uh, to think think about who your critique partner is, and to base their opinions on you know versus your opinion. If you really like the way that passive voice sentence reads in your sentence in your paragraph, then perhaps that's one you can forgive. Yes, the critique partner was right. This is a passive voice sentence, but you as the writer are the final say. Unless, of course, your publisher tells you to change it. And that's a different story. And then that's a different that's a different talk for a different time. But uh, you're, since I you're the writer, it. you decide <laughs> if you want to how how much you want to change your work. And it's entirely possible that you submit your work to a critique group and they give you critiques and you say screw that and you flip a table and you leave because you don't want to take any of their advice. You probably weren't ready to join a critique group at that point. Mm-hmm. But you have a right to do that. Yeah. So don't don't actually flip the table though. No, <laughs> no you have a right to flip the table. If it's your Send table. the silver all over the temple. <laughs> but all my pages aren't stapled together, and they'll be all out of order. Number. <laughs> That's your fault for not numbering. <laughs> I have two questions. Um, the first one was related to what you said, Julie. Um, Judy. Judy. I'm terrible at names. Okay. Feel free we love to put your mind. We love you. Go on. Yes. And that's because of Stockholm Syndrome. (laughs) Um, Do you think then that it's um, part of the job of a critique group or critiquers is to help the writer maintain their confidence in the story that they're writing, even when, you know, they're in the trenches of editing when everything sucks and the story is terrible? Absolutely. Most definitely. And then... uh, I think it's a responsibility of the critique group. I think it's a responsibility of humankind to be responsive to everyone in that respect. See the positives and go with that. Um, Use the sandwich idea because something good you might want to consider. Always think about the person that you're critiquing. In fact, sometimes I'm not real sure I like the word critique. It's, you know, critics criticizing something. I wish there was another word that would be able to be used in in a situation like this rather than critique because it's so ne- it, in and itself itself it's negative and I think we're here to support each other and help us all improve our art we have a more of a fermenting process snuffle reading hmm? snuffle reading it sounds nice doesn't it I was just thinking along those lines is that <laughs> one of my favorite things about um, one of my key partners is, that is that we really are our biggest cheerleaders for each other is that yeah. we support each other um, I know that like I'm always super happy to hear about her book news. She's happy to hear about mm-hmm. mine, and I love having someone that I can share that with and talk to. 
about someone who's been there from the beginning, and I think that's also a really important role of a critique partner. Yeah, um, something I heard Jamie say, uh, and she's not here today, is that, um, I don't know if she was doing this with critique or beta reading, but she was reading her most critical reviewer first and just taking note, but then if her other two reviewers also found the same thing, then she'd be more likely to change it. So if one person catches it, it's like, okay, you think about it. Do I want to change it? Do I not? But if everybody is picking up on the same thing, maybe you don't want to make the change they're all recommending, but maybe there's something there that should be changed. Take another look. That's very helpful, the um, multiple people, because if you only have one person, it can be very skewed, and I think that's what one of the benefits of a group is and what having a bunch of different beta readers or critique partners can do. Um, you can go. I have another question after that. Okay. Uh, I just was suddenly reminded of a bit of advice I got from a uh, comic book writer that I, uh, I worked with in uh, college. I took class with him. Uh, he writes, like, uh, I don't know, those Hellboy things, like BPD, I think. But anyway, what, what, what he said... What? Those little Hellboy We are talking books. after this is done. <laughs> okay. uh, There's going to be a fight in the parking lot after Right Pack Radio. But what, what he said was, like, what he liked seeing in... Uh, like, he would critique my stuff and all the other students, you know? What he liked seeing was, like, okay, I'm going to give you a critique about this, and I'm going to suggest something, but what I love to see is when you take the critique... And don't do the suggestion, but do something else that also fixes the problem. You come back with, like, something else. So, like, even if your uh, critiquer says, like, hey, this is messed up, you should try this, if you try something else and it also fixes it, that's, like, even, that's, like, a step above. I've got a quick plug-in, I'm going to give this back to Kathleen here because for her next question. Matt, what you just said is very important. I've noticed a lot of times when I've had multiple beta readers, come back with something. I mean, I take it to a critique partner, but I'll give it to beta readers. And sometimes they'll say, you know, this uh, this section here just is not working. You might want to try this, something like that. Sometimes what they're picking up on and what they're trying to change is not the issue. It's something else. But that's causing a whisker, if you will, hmm. on the cat to, to go, hmm, there's something here. There's something knocking it off. And I, need to, mm-hmm. and I as a writer, need to take a look, better look at the whole entire section that they're talking about and see if mm-hmm. there's something else that's causing that whisker to flicker. And that is why specificity in critiquing is helpful. Well, certainly. <laughs> um, Brad, you had said that you've been in a critique group for a number of years, the same one. Um, and I remember um, hearing an author interview about their own critique group and recognizing that one of the writers in that group I recognize one of the writers in this group that had been going on for years and they were all very successful had started shifting in their writing in a way that I felt should have been pointed out to them and I was wondering if it's possible for critique groups to like mind meld and then start sounding the same or like learning that this is a touchy issue, so we're not going to address this in that person's writing. Does that happen? I suppose it could happen. It has not happened to me. What more? What what I find more is is like when I write. So it's funny. My my two critique partners actually sit in my head while I write, hmm. because the one is going to tell me to constantly dive into <laughs> the emotional state of the character hmm. and bring out the emotion. She's going to want more emotion. It's her number one critique of me. 
So when I'm writing, I hear her in the back of my head going, <laughs> pull out some more emotion right here. And then I do it, and then she doesn't flag it, and I'm like, hey, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, and, and then I know in the and other side, I, I'm going to hear, you know, the other one, and she's going to be going on and on about, you know, like my plot and how I've structured everything. And, and so I might go, you know what? That paragraph actually really needs to be back up with this paragraph up over here. And I just do that. And how, why am I doing that? Because my critique partners always go circle that and then draw the line and be like, <laughs> it needs to go up here. Yeah. So that's what I hear more. Not necessarily me merging with their voices because they have two very distinct voices. And, you know, the three of us actually have very distinct voices independently of each other. But I would never want to A, copy their voices because, one, I'm not writing about, like, new adult contemporary, like, you know, kind of stuff. So that would be bad of me to copy the one's voice. You know, and, and so I don't want to copy anything like that, but I more hear, like, their criticisms coming through as I write. I, I can tell you, like, when I look at the page, what they're going to, you know, tell me about <laughs> when I go to the meeting, and then they do. And, and you go, darn, I wish yeah. I'd have... Right, if, if I'd had another couple hours, I could have fixed that. <laughs> kind of internalize what they're teaching you. In and, essence, yeah. And mm -hmm. it helps your writing get better. Mm -hmm. um, what would you guys say to writers who are afraid that they're going to, if they go into some workshop or a critique group, they're going to become either like the group in tone and everything or an outcast of the group. Know thyself. This actually yeah. happened to me. Um, again, I took two writing workshop classes in college, an introductory and an advanced. Both classes were taught by PhD students. And by the end of the class, the final, everyone wrote three stories for this. Well, this is pretty much universally true, but the final story uh, for all of our three ones was much more similar than the first stories for all of us and they were basically being guided very much by the tastes of the person teaching the group so this definitely happened at both times I liked the style of my first teacher a whole lot better than the second and the second teacher I realized this was happening I turned it in I realized it was a good story too but guess what I'm going back to the original version of the story um, the th things that he was criticizing were the things that they liked best the last time mm -hmm. you have to know your audience I decided they were not the audience for this story I was going to ignore their advice <laughs> so great you get yeah. oh I got an A for that <laughs> class but yeah. I mean I, yeah. I gave what I was expected to yeah. give it was a class but you grew as a writer you really uh, yeah. did. You really did. I can just hear that in, in the fact that you, you said, I, this is what I want, and you did it, and you grew as a person and as a writer. A quick plug-in, I'm going to go back to what Meredith said a while back, is make sure they know, make sure you're in a critique group that fits your genre. In the case of college critique groups, a lot of those critique groups are based on literary fiction, not on commercial fiction. Now, before I start a big debate on my Facebook page or something about literary versus commercial, um, I, the two are starting to learn from each other finally, okay? But they still have different focuses. And because of that, you, they are going to focus on it differently in the critique group. So know that part. Well, I'd just like to say a word or two about sort of the big picture. Because I've been in a lot of critique groups of a lot of different uh -huh. sizes. And it's a fluid kind of thing. If you're not working out together, you kind of find a way to go somewhere else. And I have had some wonderful critique groups with me. And uh, 
uh, at least more than half of them are published in one fashion or another, but you kind of find out that, uh, oh, some move away and they go to a different group, you eventually find your water level, somebody that you can work well with you. And it's not easy, folks. It may take a lot of years and a lot of time and a lot of effort, but it's certainly worth it. Like, it's like dating, but unfortunately they haven't come up with an online version yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to restrain partners. myself from the comments that was going on. Well, they're all online critique groups, as yes. a matter of fact. Critique so, Harmony, go ahead. How do you recognize a good critique partner or a good critique group, and is it possible to have, like, to find someone in a group that is not good for you, but have that person be good for your writing and stories and stuff? In my response, and I'm going to turn to you, Judy next, is I, how I know it is by the critique they give. If they are giving a thoughtful, detailed critique back to me on my story, and back to first advice thing, leave your emotions at home. Come Now back to this. If they're giving a good, thoughtful critique, irregardless if I agree with it or not, then that, I'm getting something out of it, and it's worth continuing. Definitely. Uh, keep your emotions out of it. But, you know, as a critiquer, you need to be careful about and about keeping it, letting your ego, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good, you're not, I'll show you. Um, and I know I have had my work ripped, Viciously, and it was on, you know, and it devastated me. It really, really, really hurt uh, in the long run, and I did not come back. And it was how it was done. It wasn't necessarily that she was wrong, but it was how she came at me. And I honestly almost quit that particular group. And I know of another writer who, uh, you know, she was doing some, she'd brought her paper, her story in, and um, they ripped every detail, not just one person, but many. And the one that really kicked her was somebody was complaining about the way she painted the walls. Oh, come on now. They'd never use that color combination. <laughs> and a hotel. I'm going, she hasn't been in there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but, you know, and, and she, it, it was just being verbally attacked by, it was just apparently coming at her, just like, ping pong balls or, or, you know, at a biting ball, you know, whatever, you know, and it just devastated her. Um, so, yeah, the groups are very important. I think compassion is very, very important. I think respect is very, very important. Um, and understanding where we're all coming from in a way. I mean, even if you're published, there's nothing sweeter than a well-published author who sits down with you and looks at your work and says, honey, this is really good, but there's your sandwich. Yeah, I think, and an kind of an ancillary thing to that is that your partner can help you if you can figure out that you have a problem somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and that is true, and like mindset, I cannot get the beginning of this book to work. What's wrong with it? <laughs> you know? And That's the beauty you part. can really help. Having authors to go back and forth with, I mean, that's invaluable. Oh, yeah. Because they know, and they're the only ones who know. My mother doesn't know, my friends don't know, my family doesn't know. You know, anyone else who's going to read the book can't answer the questions of another writer who's in the same boat, who thinks about the same things in terms of plot and character development and all that kind of stuff. It's invaluable to have that resource right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about something Julia Cameron said um, in an interview she did with Sounds True 
about critiquing and she said that um, when she had her critique groups give feedback about the good things, specifically the good things, and not just the bad things, stories were less likely to change for the worse the next week because the good things would not have been taken out because the writer would know they should stay. And so when correcting for the bad things or editing for the bad things, they would not take out what was already good in their story. Mm -hmm. And to that end, like, it sounds like we've been talking about good etiquette for critiquers. Mm -hmm. What about the people being critiquedt? Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's always important. <laughs> uh, the the only thing I'll start out fast about the judge, you can talk about the rest of it or anything, is just <laughs> the, the the person who really needs to sit there and shut up <laughs> and listen, yeah. not so. argue. Yes. Uh, when you're being critiqued, uh, don't respond right away to anything anyone tells you. Uh, read their critique. Go for a walk. Have dinner. Watch <laughs> a movie. Grab a whiskey. Go to bed. <laughs> grab a lot of whiskey. Don't don't grab too much whiskey. You might respond even worse when you came back. Uh, but the point is, put a little distance between you and that thing they told you, because often, even if you know you're supposed to leave your emotions at the door, you're a human being and you bring them anyway. There's nothing you can do about that. Mm -hmm. And when someone tells you, "I don't like the way your character responded in this scene." and your heart skips, and you get hot under your collar, and you feel yourself flush, and that's gonna happen because that's what happens when you hear something you don't wanna hear. Don't, don't immediately turn around and say, well, they did it because of this reason, and this is why, and this is what happened. You say, okay, thank you for your feedback, or you say nothing if it's an email. You just let the email sit there, and you go walk, and you think, and you consider, was that good? Was that bad? Is that worth responding to? Is that just me being sensitive? Is it a real, an actual critique that I should be taking to heart? And that's important to give yourself a little bit of distance so you don't answer right away. I had a client uh, once who was very protective of their work, and anytime I would say something, you know, I think we should change this, or I think that this, we, you don't need this sentence here, or I think this word's a little too big for children, then it was always an email right away saying, well, I don't think that's right. And I got to the point where I was used to receiving those, so I'd be like, okay, three, two, one, oh, hey, look. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's like, I'm not going to take that too personally myself, because I know that's the way that they're responding to criticism. But as a critique person, I know, you know, I learned from that experience to be, oh, well, I shouldn't respond right away because that's an emotional response and not a logical response. Because often the client would then think about what I'd said and come back and say, you know what, you were really right. Because they'd had time to think. And a lot of times they'd come back and still say I was wrong, and they have every right to do that, and I didn't think any less of them for doing that either. If they really wanted to include that in their story, then you know, if they wanted to have a challenging word here for their children to read, then please put it in. You know, If you, think, if you wanted it to be that short, and even though I said you might need to add a couple pages, they wanted, still wanted it to be a really short book. Then it's like, okay, well, then we'll work with that. That's what you wanted, you know. So that's, I guess that's my piece on uh, receiving criticism. You had a question, my friend? What if you have a question about something someone has said, though? Can you, is it okay to ask, like, during the critique? Or is that, nece is that necessarily a wise decision for the person who well, is... Well, if you're coming at it from an innocent point of view. Like, if you honestly want to know, well, why did you feel that way? Or... Uh, was it because of this or because of that? Just don't turn it into a fight, you know? Mm -hmm. You're not coming at it as a, you wounded me, you punched me and I have to punch you back. 
Um, That's what you're avoiding. If you're trying to get clarification. Yeah, you know, and it's, when I said walk away and leave it, I'm not saying leave it forever. Walk away and write a a nice, patient, well-thought-out response. Did you really feel that way? Oh, do you have any ideas to fix that? Or, you know what, I really don't think that that's worth addressing right now. You know, that kind of thing. But it's not, you know, the difference between that's not worth addressing right now and saying you're full of crap is very different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very true. Uh, well, I, I very much have all those. Uh, I, well, when I was in college, I very much had all those issues of kind of getting defensive. And uh, how I learned to deal with it, sort of, was that I treated going to a critique like uh, going in front of a firing squad. <laughs> uh, wow. Did you get a last cigarette? You just put your arms behind your back, you get blindfolded, and you sit there and you take it. And that's, you just have to be comfortable with it. And that's how I, I kind of got used to it, and then, uh, you know, eventually I was able to just kind of hear it, and I could respond in the moment reasonably, too. So it's it's like a practice thing as well. Mm-hmm. You uh, you get better at it over time. Lying back and thinking. Well, I think, I think you're absolutely right. You hit it on the head, on the head there, Matt, because... What happens, and ironically, in my thinking, is it's actually critique. Being, having my writing critiqued has made me a better person, mm-hmm. because what I do is I can take critique from anybody, anytime, anywhere. Because I'm in control of my book, I'm in control of myself, and I will choose. And when you grow up to the point where you realize this is well, I like what you have to say, but nah, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not going to work. I, I respect what you say, but no. And that's where you begin to get your own voice, you begin to get your own confidence, and your story begins to mature, I think. And I have to chuckle here. I heard something the other day that I loved. He was, uh, I was at a conference, and he recommended, he said he, when he gets a, a real bad email that's just scathing over something that they were not happy with, he said, here's what I, it's the first thing I do. He says, I open up a brand new Word document and I write every gut-wrenching remark back and just, and then delete it. Uh-huh. You, because you have to realize where your feelings are and get them out. And then it will help you look logically at it and go, well, I don't know. And I think that's where we start to grow as a writer and as, as a person. Because then we begin to get our confidence in what we're doing. You know, we're not afraid anymore. We can look at it. We can look at the firing squad and say, go for it. Give me your best shot, you know? And you don't have to worry. Um, What do you guys think it's necessary for writers to listen to other people's critiques? Like, Mm -hmm. um, does that Mm -hmm. also help with learning how to write better? Like, not just, you know, receiving critiques, but hearing the critiques given to other people. Mm -hmm. Again, in the writing workshop class, the first several weeks of the class, we were reading like published short stories and we were critiquing short stories. And I think it was a practice critique, so mm-hmm. then we would all be ready to critique each other's and figure out what kind of comments were constructive and what kinds were uh, yeah, malicious. Knowing their personalities. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Um, but you can also learn from. Oh, see what they did right, see what they did wrong. It's like, oh, I do that too. Yeah. Like learning from other people. Yeah. That person got hit by a train. I should not stand on the tracks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I also think that um, when you're in a group too, and you hear other people's critiques, it also helps you identify what critique partner you really want. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> because, like, for example, if I'm reading a book that Jennifer wrote, and Melanie catches XYZ, Meredith catches ABC, and I ca- caught some other seven letters, <laughs> and I'm looking at these two, like, they grew two heads, uh-huh. I don't think I want them critiquing my book. But if Brad caught the same thing I did, then might have be a good fit that way. Are you trying to say different something? Critique partners. Yeah. No, I'm just picking people because they're sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> Staring us down. Yes. Um, mm. What were we talking about before we were talking about two heads? I got very distracted by that visual. Uh, no, I know. I remember. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think critique um, it was critique groups. <laughs> um, I was going to say that what Kathleen's brought up is very important, too, listening to other people's critique. As a, I learned a long time ago that my learning methods, everyone has a different way of learning, I learn best when I watch things be deconstructed. That's why I love behind-the-scenes things in movies on DVDs and stuff. And what look, you know, listening to movie reviews and people who've been through film school talking about old films, I learn so much that I can apply to my own writing by looking to see what other people did right and wrong. And sometimes, you know, people like Kurosawa doing things right and wrong. You know that they are very he successful. Right. He only did right. <laughs> <laughs> Very successful people and pointing out what good things and bad things exist in stuff that people generally accept as masterpieces. Yes. There's room for people to have opinions within something that is universally lauded. Oh yeah. So that, I think it's good to listen to other Except people's critique. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and on that Touch note, we're going to end this week's episode on the right pack. Tune in next week for another interesting topic in the writing industry. Thank you. The Right Pack would like to thank STL Books for allowing us to record in their bookstore. STL Books and Gifts is St. Louis' newest independent bookstore with an emphasis on fine literature for adults and children and the most comprehensive selection of St. Louis books available anywhere. Visit them online at stlbooks.com or in person at 100 West Jefferson Avenue, Kirkwood, Missouri, 63122. Tune in next week as the Right Pack will conquer yet another pondering issue in the writing industry. Theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.